you're listening to Pry Island Dips. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Brian Discs for the last session of the of the term, week ten. In the studio, we've got Doc Fernley, who was just saying how much she loves being in the studio. How does it feel to be in this room right now? It is so exciting. I've only been in here once before when Ellie was doing her morning show, and I popped in to say hi. So it feels really professional, really cool. It's really an amazing space. We've got the green font sort of. Yeah, I'm liking on. that. It's a kind of green committee theme. Yeah, for for our green committee assembly this morning, following it through. Yeah. Um, but on to Doc Fernley. You've travelled the world. You've uh, you've done some fascinating things that we're going to cover this evening. But you're a classics teacher. You're a cl- you're a classicist. What sort of foremost? That's your um, passion. And uh, what what is it about classics classics that really speaks to you? Ben's got the first song on already. I oh, know, no, ignore no, the song. No, no. <laughs> okay, a little bit. <laughs> anyway, carry okay. on. Okay. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> That's all right. Well, yeah, I'm a classics teacher. I haven't always. It's funny how you end up in, you know, getting into something that you don't anticipate doing. I never really planned to be a classics teacher. I loved it. I loved it at school. I loved it at university. I then did my PhD in classics and then went off and did all sorts of other things. Um, But actually, I love a good story. I love classics because it sort of connects lots of things. I think it's good to think with, you know, there's a lot of philosophy, there's a lot of history, a lot of poetry, a lot of art and architecture. So for me, it's kind of lots of subjects in one, which I find I get a bit bored a bit easily, so I quite like the diversity of it. And did you is that did you sort of get inspired by it by it at your school? Was there a teacher that sort of made you? Yeah, there was Mr. Green. His name was actually um, at Weymouth Grammar School, and he was a really nice guy. It was a bit of a quirky subject to do. Uh, you know, a lot of people did German or Spanish, um, and I did French as well. But I liked the sort of quirkiness of Latin. I was fascinated with it being, I liked that I was doing a dead language, a bit perverse, but sort of liked that sort of putting the jigsaw together sort of element of it. So it started just with a sort of linguistic interest, really. Um, And then, you know, I went to university to do it. And then I went off to America to do my PhD and then had some really inspiring people who were interested in art and architecture. And I went off to Rome for a summer and spent a few months there. And so it just sort of, it was good for broadening my horizons at that time. It took me places. I guess there's so much relatable. I mean, uh, to that time, it's so imp- it impacted our, the world around us. So, and I mean, you must see that so obviously everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether you're looking at kind of Boris Johnson and politics and his speeches and thinking about Cicero and you know ancient politicians, and the, the, it is. You're right. It's sort of all around you. 
um yeah tell us about um jamming which we just had a little uh, taster <laughs> oh of. yeah we're gonna have a taster um okay so i was it's really funny picking your your favorite five songs i found sort of myself thinking about defining moments i suppose and i was trying to remember um the first song I ever remember hearing or you know and I'm not sure whether it was or not um, but that was Bob Marley uh, jamming and I got a really particular memory of it I sort of I started school a little bit late because we went off to Greece actually maybe that's maybe we come full circle um, and uh, we we're traveling around Greece for a few months and we were away for Christmas I must have been five or six and I remember a really beautiful, maybe Christmas Eve or around Christmas, being in a little village, um, all lit up, very beautiful, outside a, a bar or cafe. And Bob Marley jamming was playing. In the inside, middle of Greece. In so. the middle of Greece. And I remember everyone being happy, you know, Bob Marley's kind of upbeat, happy, feel good music. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's the first song I can ever remember. And of course, more recently, um, the old classics department like to rework lyrics well, was, for the old stuff. I was going stuff. to say because <laughs> the, the, staff review, the staff review gets quite a lot of sort of um, presence on this show because it's something we love to revert back to. Yeah. You, you've had a big, yeah, you had a big uh, sort of performance of this song. Exactly. Reworked. So- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, for, the, for both those reasons, I thought Bob Marley jamming was a, a good one to start with. Satisfied to love, I now exist. 
Tell us about this full circle that you, you were saying, um, Doc Fernley, that you went to Greece when you were younger and then you, you that sort of had a big impression on you. But was that a family holiday or just a sort of... Yeah, well, it was a sort of extended family holiday, really. We travelled around a bit. Um, my parents were a bit you know, old hippies, really, you know, so we sort of went from place to place and uh, I actually... <laughs> they, uh, embarrassingly, I don't know any modern Greek, really. I can sort of read it and get by a little bit. I know ancient Greek. Um, but I did, when I was sort of five, used to spend time with any Greek that I uh, met on our travels and learnt some Greek and um, really loved it there. So I never actually really thought about it until talking to you about it now. But uh, in a funny kind of way, maybe I do feel like you know, my little spiritual home is there in Greece, started there when I was sort of five and came back to it. Um, and just about to go there on Friday too. Oh my gosh. Uh, it was, oh, the Greek trip. Yeah, oh. we haven't done that for uh, four years now. And it's going to be Mr. Holland's last trip because he's retiring oh. and I've done many a trip with him, fond memories. So yeah, we are off to um, Athens on Friday with... 28 A3s and A2s Um, and again doing a little road trip doing uh, Athens and then up into the mountains to Delphi and then to Olympia Uh, so I'm actually normally at this time of term I'm exhausted and thinking oh gosh a school trip I'm not sure I can face it but actually it's been so long Uh, I've travelled so little in the last few years I'm actually really excited about it yeah so um, yeah so Greece has a big place in my heart. And tell us about your road trip to um, the States. You did a, you went and did your PhD in California Ooh. and you travelled cr- <laughs> around the States. What, yeah. what was the motive or what was the... Well, it was... Um... It was really nice, actually. So I, yeah, I finished my degree in England and went off to LA to do a PhD. And uh, I spent five years there, which is a long time. Took me that long to do the uh, the course. And after the first summer, met a really nice girl called Ellen. Um, She was American and her parents were living in upstate New York. And so she was heading back from LA to New York and... um, I hadn't seen that much of America. Actually, I knew um, California quite well because my dad had lived in Los Angeles for many years. So I knew California, but I didn't know anything about anywhere else in America. So she said to me, um, come on, let's do a road trip. So we finished uh, We finished our first year. She was doing a comparative literature course. And uh, we just drove the southern states to New York. We spent about... 10 days doing that so we sort of did the southern route on the way there went through New Orleans and um, up to Washington Philadelphia and then spent a night in New York then I flew back to England for the summer she went home 
And then at the end of the summer, I flew back to New York and we then drove up through Niagara Falls and across to the West Coast and then down the West Coast and spent another 10 days going back. So it was, I think we covered 24 states, um, which was amazing. And, you know, it's a little bit like... I've never been to I've never been to Australia. I'd love to go, I've but I've never been. I've been to a few African countries, but you know, it's like people say about Australia or America. It's it's many uh, it's many different countries in one and it's mm. it's kind of freaky when you're driving across America because you do you reach borders and realize that uh, you know, you'll sort of have no fireworks, no abortion, no this, <laughs> all at the border and wow. you think, wow, this is just because I'm entering South Dakota (laughs) and then you come through and go into another state where different rules apply so um, it it was really great it it gave me a whole new perspective on America and Um, being at university there you must have sort of been immersed in the culture and the Yeah, I loved it. It took me a while, I've got to say. L.A. is a sort of crazy place with no real centre. And I didn't find it that easy my first year doing my PhD. Um, But it was really cosmopolitan, people from all over. And I absolutely loved that. Um, And after my first year, I kind of settled in and um, made some really great friends who I'm still friends with now. And um, had a really, it was really nice because I was studying. Uh, It was different to a PhD in England. I was studying, but I was also a teaching assistant. So I was sort of teaching lots of different classes, um, mythology and languages and history of art and things like that. So it was a really nice intro into teaching in a way and kind of broke up the, I I didn't want to do a PhD where it was purely research, where you're kind of lonely all the time, Mm. (laughs) sort of, whereas it wasn't like that at all. It was really sociable, really interactive and a lot of good fun. I guess that's the, especially with classics, you're trying to constantly pass it on to the next generation to keep it going. Yeah. Is there a part of you that is worried that it's becoming less popular or no? It's growing. Well, it's interesting. There's been a whole thing in the press recently about um, uh, classical mythology, classical civilization, and its revival and how every state school should do it. And um, actually, I think, you know, a lot of people value it. we do our little, it's in a very small way, but uh, Blanford School obviously don't have any Latin or classical civilization. And, you know, I've always been big on community stuff and outreach. And we have a bunch of students who come up from Blanford and um, actually Freya and Fiona and Ivor have been integral to that. And we've been teaching them. And I think, you know, it's really nice that Actually, some things that aren't offered in state schools, we can kind of reach out and and share a bit of that, share a bit of the classics love. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about your next track, um, The Whole Moon, The Whole of the Moon. Whole of the Moon, The Water Boys, yeah. Um, So in my thinking, I then jumped from what was my first recollection to... Uh, sort of being um, a teenager and really being into my music. And I was lucky in, I think as uh, Ben was talking about his mum and Bob Marley actually, thinking about um, festivals. My mum was um, quite into going to festivals. So from quite a young age, I went off to festivals. And I remember, uh, I went before uh, 1986, but actually I remember vividly Glastonbury in 1986. There were a bunch of 
great band that I loved. And um, one of them was the Waterboys, who I was really into. And at that time, Glastonbury was pretty small relative to now. There were two stages. The old pyramid stage was there and there was the acoustic stage and there really wasn't much else. So um, the Waterboys were headlining on the Saturday night on the pyramid stage and that feeling of, I remember the whole of the moon playing and the sun was going down and you're surrounded by loads of people, everybody really upbeat, having a great time. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is great. So we've just listened to the Water Boys, and um, we've just been talking about the importance of reflection. Actually, how it's nice to sort of have a, a forty-five minute session just talking about yourself, really. And because as a husband, Dr. Funny was saying how it's very kind of giving the whole time, but actually taking a time out and talk, listening about list, sharing your memories is really important um but moving on to um, more of doc fernley's amazing life um tell, can, can you sort of tell us more about your un um 
um, era that, that what you got involved with in Eastern Europe? Yeah, of course. So um, after I finished my PhD, I wasn't really ready even though I was 28, I wasn't really ready to get a proper job. Um, and so, and I wanted to explore the world a bit more having been in California for five years. So I initially volunteered um, for the UN through the foreign office and um, got a, a post in Montenegro. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't really know where Montenegro was when they offered it to me, but they asked me if I wanted to go there. And I was sort of helping set up a team who were going to observe elections. And it was amazing. I just loved it. I got on the plane. I had my books that I bought about the politics and history of Montenegro. I love a little research project. Um, and I then spent six uh, weeks in Montenegro when the elections were taking place. And we were kind of coordinating uh, a whole team of observers. Um, that was the first job. And when I got back to England, the Foreign Office turned around and said, oh, you know, sounds like you had a good time, got good reports, that everything had gone really well. Um, do you fancy going off to Croatia? So I thought, Okay, yeah, that's great. So I went and bought my books on Croatia. I was learning quite a lot about uh, that part of the world. Um, and so, yeah, so then for the next couple of years, really, I um, was seconded by the Foreign Office and went off and um, felt like I was... I mean, it was it was going to amazing countries, meeting amazing people and feeling like um, sometimes a bit frustrating, but feeling like, you know, we were talking about doing a lot of civic education, talking about democracy, um, trying to work with people in countries to make the whole political situation better and therefore lives better for a lot of people. Um, it was sometimes really quite hard to leave because we were mm. never in the country for more than, I mean, really six, seven, eight weeks. We'd sort of go there for a bit of preparation a few weeks before the elections. Um, really fascinating to meet political parties, media, all the people involved in the whole election process. But then it sort of became a data thing once the polling day had happened and all of that data fed back. We'd come out with a report and then that would be it. We'd leave. And it was quite hard sometimes because we'd sort of go into a country, employ lots of the local people, get, you know, get to know lots of people and then just leave. So it was quite, that was quite hard. Um, but it, it was an amazing way of life uh, for a few years. It was sort of either young, single people or old, retired people doing it. <laughs> no one. It's not very conducive to, to settled married life or anything, you know, so it was either young or old people. But um, it, it, was, it was a fantastic experience and, and really something that I'm glad I did before I went into teaching because it just took me away from that but I mean working in such fragile we were saying these countries are incredible were incredibly fragile coming out of um I don't know, conflict maybe or and you're 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 their future sort of in your hands you're mm. overseeing these elections you're trying to um assemble a democracy or some sort of election that's fair and I mean is that is that a huge amount of responsibility put on your shoulders such a sort of yeah, well, I played a really tiny role in it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the what would ultimately happen at the end of it was a report based on how the elections went. A report would go back to the, the EU or the UN. And then that country was kind of, you know, who's dependent 
for money and support, um, you would feel actually quite responsible for that because if the elections hadn't been particularly free and fair, then actually they wouldn't get the amount of support that they were hoping for and that, that didn't feel great. And do you think having lived through that, you see you really value the system we have now, you know, in this country, it's how, you know, democracy, so it is fair and we can trust what we vote for. I mean, seeing how it's so sort of, it's, it can be easily broken in other countries. Yeah. Well, just the lengths they go to. I mean, the, the most interesting country I was in probably was um, Zambia. I was there for six months. And um, that was a lot about civic education. But in the run up to the elections, you just see how much people cared and wanted their voice to be heard and were prepared to walk for days to get to a polling station with their baby on their back, with the food that they needed, because that was so important. And I think it's really easy for us to take it for granted and to kind of think, oh, well, our voice isn't important or to be complacent or abstain. or And it, it was a real eye-opener to see that in other countries. Tell us about your next track, Fleetwood Mac. It's a classic. Oh, yeah. Well, I love it. Um, uh, love Stevie Nicks. Um, love her voice. Uh, this is Landslide and... Um, what do I want to say about it? It's one of those songs that, um, for me, I think you sort of get to, as I was saying, I sort of found myself reflecting on many stages of my life thinking of these songs um, when you start to feel like you're a bit older and that you've been through various stages of your life um, and there have been ups and there have been downs and, um, yeah, the importance of kind of going with the flow and accepting that. And I think uh, Landslide sort of says a lot of that for me. I took my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tide? Doc Fernley, charity and outreach has obviously been a major part of your life and now you, you're still involved with it a lot. Um, today we were just packing uh, the Ukrainian bo the boxes for the, the bus that's going tomorrow morning at 9am. Nine 9 um, that's I, right. I, is there, I mean, what what would you say is the sort of, um, I, well, I don't know, how, how, do you, how do you go about it in your life, sort of doing things for other people in the community and... Um, well, I think um, when I came to Bryanston, it's interesting, I 
I went to a state school myself. I didn't um, know anyone at a boarding school or anything like that. And I came here and I was a bit sceptical about it, I suppose, initially. Um, and I was quite quickly wowed by the school, by by the by the staff, by the pupils, by the energy, and I suppose by the possibilities that Bryanston has. Um, I mean, I was kind of really in awe and and amazed at the opportunities that you guys all have and I sort of wanted to do something with that I suppose I just thought what an amazing school and so easy in a boarding environment to kind of galvanize people and have a project I love a project Um, and so I quite quickly sort of found myself thinking oh let's let's get pupils out of here and go do you know fun interesting useful stuff and uh, one of my first exciting projects was at Portland Prison and um, I don't know you probably don't know the singer Billy Bragg because you're way too young he's a bit of a political singer-songwriter no even Ben's shaking his head anyway I like him look him up and and have a listen anyway he was playing in a pub one night and I sort of went and um had a chat with him afterwards because I know he's a bit of a political activist and he was doing a project with guitars in prisons at the time. And so I went and had a chat and said, "Mm, I work at Bryanston and I was just wondering if, you know, a few pupils, if we could help you out in a prison with your guitar project. And he said, oh, yeah, that would be great. You know, if you could um, get a bunch of instruments together and you could bring the pupils over to the prison, we could do some music workshops. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really amazing so um they were a really cool bunch of guys at the time in a band and I said you know how about coming to Portland Prison with me (laughs) so we then we then had had a few sessions of doing music workshops and then had this amazing gig in the church of Portland Prison with prisoners and the Bryanston students and it was just fab and I suppose that Bringing something together like that for me is really exciting, you Mm. know. And, you know, the prisoners were just fantastic and they really loved it. And our pupils just got so much out of it. And it was a really cool concert. And, um, uh, yeah, I suppose, you know, just thinking about outreach and charity, I love the fact that, you know, obviously I, I think that the awareness of all these things is important and but also the there can be a lot of fun involved oh, in yeah. those things too, you know, and I suppose that's what I enjoy doing in a school. I never want to kind of shove something down people's throat and say, you should be doing this and taking the moral high ground. I just want to be kind of broadening horizons. And, um, you know, this Ukraine one was was another obvious one, really. We had the A2 Charities Weekend. Spencer and Esme had done all the work on it, really, and, um, you know, had their ideas of where the money was going to go to. And then a war starts and it was a no-brainer, really, that other people needed, you know, Ukraine needed the money. So, um, you know, we managed to give money to all three charities Um, and it was really nice that we had so much money that we could give half of it to DEC and let them do what they needed to do with it and that we have this truck arriving tomorrow morning so we 
you know, with after lots of research and getting lots of people's help, have spent, um, and you were there too, <laughs> this afternoon, packing up um, to send all this stuff off. And I think I think we've got about £100,000 worth of supplies for £20,000. So a lot of nappies. A lot of nappies, a lot of medical stuff, um, a lot of children's stuff, and it's all heading out there. And, you know, I find that really, really great that mm. we as a school can do that. For me, that's fab. Tell us about your next track. I think it's um, Thunder Road. Oh, a bit of Bruce. Okay, so yeah, so um, uh, Mr. Fowler and I, Mr. Fowler is a big Bruce fan. <laughs> he loves Bruce. And um, I've always quite liked Bruce, but we've listened to a lot of Bruce over the last few years. And coming back to storytelling and mythology and, you know, I love a song with a good story. And Bruce is a good storyteller. And... Uh, we went to Dublin a few years ago to see Bruce live and he can play. I mean, he does not, he doesn't come up for air for about three hours. He can churn out the songs. Um, and he played Thunder Road uh, acoustic when we saw him live. This is an acoustic, but this is the one I went for. Summer praying in vain 
So, Doc Fenley, you're going to be cast away to a desert island. How do you feel about about that sort of motion? It's funny because I spend my life surrounded by people, obviously, in a boarding school, but I actually really love being on my own. So I'm at the end of term, I'm pretty tired. I'm about to go off on a Greece trip. So actually the thought of being on a desert island is feeling okay. I'm okay with it. <laughs> what would you bring with you to... Um, keep you company. You can have a luxury item and a book. Okay. Can my luxury item be a dog or no? Well, uh, I don't know. I probably that? can't. Would, Spart- it's not- would you want to bring Spartacus with you? I, I, it, I probably would. But um, <laughs> no, okay, my luxury item. So my sort of secret old lady pleasure is doing my tapestry. So that was the thing during lockdown that was really my kind of time and my therapy. And um, I've probably done five or six since then. Um, and I love it. So oh. if I had my tapestry and my thread, I could, I could while away the hours quite happily. What, what, do, you, what do you thread? Well, so um, I've done a few where I've sort of, create, sort of created the scene. So I did a big, when Miss Fellow was doing the hug play, I did a big tapestry that was H-U-G with in oh. lots of sort of um, quite psychedelic colours. Oh. And I've done uh, sort of cushion covers of sort of birds and flowers and things oh. like that. And so it's just my oh, so lovely. so that that would be my the my luxury item. luxury item. And then your book, you must have a, a ton oh, of books to well, choose from. I yeah, I mean it's a funny one. This isn't it? I don't spend a lot of time rereading things, and and I wouldn't be brave enough to take a book that I hadn't read before. Um, so I, I pondered. A poetry book because that's always quite nice, short, can go back to them. And then I thought, well, probably I would probably take something in Greek. How long am I on the island for? Well, you're, you're deserted. I'm deserted. Yeah. yeah. So I would definitely take something in Greek because I tell you what, it'd take me ages to read it. Um, so I think uh, I think I'd take Homer's Iliad, mm-hmm. and that's very long. Solid read. It, a solid read. It, 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 I would have to rack my brains for loads of the... I don't know if I'd be allowed to take a dictionary with me. There'd be a lot of vocab <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, but I would take that. Mm, lovely brain workout on the <laughs> island. <laughs> Doing tapestry. It's quite a combo. Tapestry um, in Greek, yeah. <laughs> and before we cast you away, tell us about your last um, track, Respect by Aretha Franklin. Okay, well, th- this is actually the only track with no no real story for me. Um, I love it. I thought about lots of female singers that I love and sort of struggled to pick one. I thought I could pick someone like Paloma Faith or Amy Winehouse or someone like Joni Mitchell. Um, uh, but I think for someone who sings with such soul and passion, I thought Aretha is really good for kind of belting it out and if there's any message that's a good one it's respect love it thank you so much for sharing us your tracks doc fernley and um have a lovely time on your island thank you (laughs)